Welcome to Dirty Drinks, where infectious disease and infection prevention professionals get together and talk about everything dirty that keeps them up at night. Join co-hosts Dr. Rick Starlin and Sarah Stream as they talk to other professionals about the dirty things that they think about every day. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 20 of Dirty Drinks. How are you, Rick? I am doing great, Sarah. It's 20, episode 20. I can't believe it. Wow. And we've been doing this almost weekly, so it's been almost half a year that we've been doing these. I can't believe that it's been going on this long. It's fantastic. Yes, it is. It is great. Um, Thank you for for being my partner through this. This has been a lot of fun. It has. This is I always look forward to these interviews. They're the highlight of my day. I agree. And today we definitely have a a very good episode where we have a couple of our second year fellows who are joining us today to talk about their experience and where they're at now and where they're going. It's pretty exciting because they're, you know, kind of at the end of part of their career, but also the launch position of, of another part of their career. So where they go from here, it's like, you know, your kids go away to college and you're letting them go and see where they end up. Right. I'm really excited for you guys. Um, Yeah, so we'll let them introduce themselves (laughs) if that's all right and tell us a a little bit about themselves, where they're from, uh, those kinds of things. We'll start with, uh, I'll start on my left at the bottom of the screen there. Laura, can uh, you give us a chance? Dr. Selby is um, one of our second year fellows who's currently doing a rotation in uh, antimicrobial stewardship and infection control, which is one of the popular rotations. I don't know if it's required for second years, but it's a popular one to get um, because a a large portion of what you will do when you get out into the real world, so to speak, is in those two arenas. So thank you for taking the time to join us, Laura. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, So like Dr. Charlene said, I'm Laura Selby. I'm one of the second year infectious diseases fellows. Um, And I um, am not from Nebraska. Um, I did uh, grew up in Oregon and um, did my residency and well, medical school and residency out there. Um, so came out um, for the, basically for the program to be at UNMC um, for infectious diseases fellowship. It's um, just awesome faculty. And um, so like um, Dr. Starlin was saying, I am on the um, ASP and microbial stewardship and infection prevention um, rotation right now, which is required. So, which is good. They want you to like know what you're doing when you go out in career. <laughs> Um, but it's been a lot of fun. Awesome. Thank you, Laura. And then we have, uh, Jonathan Ryder, Dr. Ryder, um, is currently on an outpatient rotation. So he's uh, living up the life of a second year fellow, uh, with, uh, seeing some clinic patients and starting to work on some research, uh, that I think he's going to be doing in the coming years. So go ahead, Jonathan. Hey, thanks so much, Dr. Starlin and Sarah, for uh, having us on. It's uh, quite a pleasure to be here and uh, looking forward to this. So, um, yeah, I'm Jonathan Ryder. I'm a uh, second year fellow uh, just uh, in the same class here as Laura. Um, uh, grew up in, uh, in Missouri, of all places, and uh, ended up here for medical school, which is kind of how I ended up back here for fellowship. And so getting to know Nebraska uh, quite well. Um, I'm, uh, I'm interested in, uh, stewardship. And so, um, I always enjoy, uh, doing that and yeah, I'm on a, uh, outpatient rotation right now. 
So getting to tour through the uh, collection of outpatient uh, infectious disease specialties, whether it's just general uh, practice or whether it is, uh, you know, transplant, oncology, orthopedic, infectious diseases, kind of the whole whole mixture of all of those clinics. And uh, it's, it's been a lot of fun. Also seeing some kind of other related specialties like uh, cystic fibrosis care and wound care and dermatology and, and these sort of things. So it's been, it's been a real joy. That is very cool. We are super excited to have you both on. And um, I am really curious, you guys are at a little bit of a different point in your career than any of the other guests that we've had on. So um, how are you finding your fellowship um, experience at UNMC? Yeah, definitely. So I, uh, I really enjoy uh, my experience here uh, for a number of reasons. Um, you know, the, the training process is, um, it could be a little bit arduous, you know, between um, going through internal medicine, but by the time you finally reach fellowship, you reach the point in time where you're really doing what you've been interested in doing for some time and that you're learning skills that you know you're going to use on a daily basis going forward through the rest of your career. And so really every day I wake up and I know there's something new and exciting to do. And I really enjoy that part of uh, fellowship. We have a really great um, varied experience uh, through the different service lines here at our hospital. And so uh, every month we're having uh, a little bit different angle on the world of infectious diseases, which really is just uh quite the diverse specialty um, involving pretty much every organ in the human body um, with just a whole host of unusual uh, processes that can occur from the outside world causing problems inside the human body. So I, uh, I really enjoy fellowship and um, uh, yeah, look forward to each next step. Awesome. Laura? Yeah, so I think that, um, you know, fellowship is, um, it's extremely busy and challenging at times. Um, you know, there's lots of um, lots of clinics, lots of patients, um, and it's also extremely short. So, um, for most infectious diseases um, fellows, you'll do two, maybe three years if you're doing research. Um, and so, you really have a very limited amount of time to try to absorb all of this information that you need um, in order to, you know, successfully practice as an ID doctor after you finish. And so, um, just the amount of volume is sometimes overwhelming. Like, I feel like I could be reading 24 hours a day and still be just scratching the surface of the things I need to know. Um, so, you know, it's, it's a great experience. I think I will, um, you know, look back on this time at, at any point in my life and think this was just like the most awesome thing ever, because you're literally getting to see the coolest cases, um, work with some, you know, world-class faculty, um, and, you know, all in a setting where your learning is prioritized. So you really do have time to like sit down and read about things and, um, have those good discussions. So, um, it's been great. Like, I think I've been, um, you know, like 99.9% .9 of the time I'm thrilled to come to work every day. Um, which I feel like a lot of people can't say about their jobs. So. Yeah, that's great to hear. We're, we're delighted you guys are both here. Um, you're both, uh, outstanding physicians and uh, uh, team players. And it's, it's great to have you. It's, it's invigorating to have young people who are energetic and, and want to be here and learn and, and see things. It's, it's terrific. So um, your journey. So 
how do you get to this point? So here you are, second year fellows, and you probably feel like you've been in school or training your whole life because you pretty much have. Um, what all do you have to do to get to this point? Go ahead. I'll let Jonathan answer first. Yeah, so I think, you know, everyone um, has kind of a common pathway and, and there's also a whole host of other pathways that people take. And I, I took pretty much the most straightforward uh, path of getting here. Um, so, you know, I went to a undergraduate, uh, um, uh, did my undergraduate education at German State University and did uh, my training in biology and history there. And uh, took that uh, straight into medical school right out of college. Um, so four years of, of college and then did four years of medical school here at University of Nebraska Med Center. And then I had to go uh, do my intern year in internal medicine training, um, which I did out at Indiana University. So I did three years of that. And then uh, you match again uh, after the internal medicine match, you match again um, into a fellowship program. And so came back here to uh, Nebraska, where my uh, wife is from and where I've um, uh, started to learn to call home, I think, um, after all these years, uh, it seems that way, at least. Um, and yeah, it's, it's a little bit of a long journey, um, but I think it's a pretty exciting one. Thank you. Um, and uh, Laura, uh, how about you? Well, pretty similar path because uh, you can't uh, get into ID without sort of the med school followed by um, some type of residency, either internal medicine or pediatrics. Um, I took um, two years off between undergrad and medical school um, because I was quite torn about med school versus like a PhD in, um, in chemistry. And so needed a little bit of time to sort that out, but um, pretty similar pathway. Um, two years. What did you do in those two years? So in those two years, I took off between undergrad and, um, and med school. Um, I did a few different things. So I worked as an industrial chemist for a little while um, in like the paper industry. So very, um, like analytical chemistry type stuff, um, learned, I did not like that area of chemistry whatsoever. And, um, then did some teaching for a local university. This is back in Oregon. So I taught, um, uh, undergrad, um, chemistry labs for like non-majors. So basically got to blow things up with people who were never going to do science in the real world. <laughs> Blowing things uh, up is always the best. It was great. I literally picked the labs based on which things had like the most flashy explosions and fun things. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. You guys sound a little bit like, uh, you know, a science major going into medicine, right? I mean, it, but you don't have to take that path. You guys have probably had colleagues along the way that have uh, been in uh, different things. Looking back, I almost wish I would have done something like uh that I find interesting. I love history. I, I could have been a history major and still gotten to medical school, right? You don't have to necessarily be a bio or chemistry major or something like that. It just seems like the most direct, easy path. Yeah, you definitely don't have to. You have to take like specific prerequisites um, to get into medical school. But after you get those done, it doesn't matter what your major is. So I just really like chemistry. So that was why I picked that. That's sort of what I did. I did the double major path. So I, I picked up the, the history degree along the way um, while I was doing basically prerequisites that uh, overlap with the biology degree quite a bit. Um, 
but it's a, it was a hard decision deciding which route to go with my career. Um, you know, trying to figure out which, which way to go. Um, but, uh, med medicine's awesome. And it turns out history is super important for what we do in the medical, in the medical world. So, so then as a biology and a chemistry nerd, um, do you guys, sorry, if you find nerd offensive, I'm a giant nerd and I will claim it all day long. I but, do um, okay. <laughs> okay. Um, so I'm curious, did, do those areas of interest, um, do they impact what you're learning on a daily basis? Like how you perceive things? Do you guys perceive things really differently because of that? I mean, I look at, um, you know, I, I loved like organic chemistry in college and um, all of our pharmacology is just chemistry. Um, so I actually like looking at like what the molecules look like and, um, you know, understanding like, oh, why you add this side chain onto certain beta lactans and this happens. And, um, you know, so it's certainly not like necessary, but um, I just think it's fun and interesting. Um, it's a very, chemistry is very analytical. And I think that's helpful in medicine at times because sort of having a like systematic way you approach things can be very, um, can be helpful to patient care. Not always because, you know, they don't, patients don't read the textbook like you would like them to. Um, but, you know, having that sort of basic analytical approach to things, I think has been at least helpful for me. Yeah, I'll say as far as biology goes, I mean, there's, there's a lot of direct overlap between, you know, typical physiology and anatomy and, and these sorts of things that we learn. Um, genetics is increasingly so important for what we do every day in, in the medical field. But um, I think a, a unique aspect from the biology standpoint is um, one is the general uh, look at the ecology of, of the of the world, and that is very important in infectious diseases. Where uh, one aspect of our care, the use of antibiotics, affects the ecology of um, the bacteria in an environment, which then uh, subsequently affects other aspects of the environment as well. And so where one bacteria is killed off, another one moves in. Um, and this uh, sort of um, different roles in the, in the ecological uh, niches, um, I, I think is a really fascinating thing. And, you know, what uh, antibiotics are used in, in um, the farming community then impacts what antibiotics we can use to take care of human infections. And so the whole world is connected and it's, it's through those uh, that sort of ecological um, uh, framework that we use. Yeah, that, uh, agree completely, agree completely. So now you guys are doing infectious disease. So what in the world um, outside of the science background and everything else and the ecology talks that you just had made you come to this decision. You had to probably decide somewhere as your second year resident, third year resident, maybe in Laura's case, it was after she'd uh, blown up things in a chemistry lab or did some, uh, some paper chemistry. Uh, but how did you end up here? Yeah, so I can take this one first. Um, so my path, I, uh, I, you know, I did not know exactly what I wanted to do uh, coming into medical school. Um, all I knew is that I did not want to be a surgeon. That was the only thing I knew 100%. Um, so I was always kind of looking at the internist world, but actually I ended up settling on pathology. Um, and that is what I wanted to do in my second and third year. Um, I thought sitting in a lab and looking at slides and making true diagnoses based on like hard evidence was really 
where I thought I would enjoy my career the most. And uh, then I kind of went through all the different rotations and started changing my mind that, you know, really at the end of the day, I really wanted to see patients. And so a lot of what is done in pathology is um, related to cancer. And I developed a little bit of an interest in oncology. And so I plan to go into internal medicine to be an oncologist and uh, treat cancer. And kind of went into training and um, that was an interesting area, but there were aspects of it that um, weren't my favorite, namely diagnosis wasn't always like the uh, most interesting part of it. It often just involved biopsies and then the pathologist kind of told you what was going on and then you treated the cancer after you had the diagnosis. So that was a, that's a pretty difficult process and not everyone is cured, obviously, and it, it was tough. So I ended up probably my second year of internal medicine training, uh, started switching uh, my mind and, and started going towards infectious diseases, which involves a lot of aspects of pathology at the end of the day, um, uh, has a lot of uh, great patient contact, and then it much similar to uh, oncology, um, there's not a ton of procedures, which was a big thing for me. And then, you know, you're treating... Um, you know, an organism, basically, whether it's a cancer cell or a bacteria with a, with a drug. And so I really like that kind of approach. Uh, but the difference being that we generally have a lot of success in infectious diseases curing um, our patients of these infections. And that was, um, I think, at the end of the day, that helped me sleep a little bit better going into that specialty. And so I, I sort of settled out there. And I've, I've just, um, every day that I've done it, I just grow more in love with, with it. And um, uh, just learning the science a little bit more, so. Yeah, thanks, Jonathan. Laura? I think I first considered infectious disease um, when I was, I think, 12 or 13. Um, my dad gave me the book, The Hot Zone, which I would not recommend for 12 or 13-year-olds. Um, <laughs> it's not appropriate. Um, but um, I read that book at that point, and that was the first time I was sort of introduced to concepts of, like, emerging pathogens and um, you know, sort of the role that um, infectious diseases have really played in human history. Um, and so I took a like a history of medicine type course as an independent study in high school and, um, you know, really seeing how many of the major parts of, um, of medicine are related to infectious diseases. Um, so I was always kind of interested into that even going into like deciding to be a doctor. Um, in my, in medical school though, um, my uh, class, we called it bugs and drugs class, which was sort of like the immunology slash micro class. Um, and it was my favorite class by far. Like it was, it was super fun. It was very interesting. I came out of that class wanting to be an immunologist rather than an ID doctor. Um, but, um, you know, over the course of rotations and medical school, um, it was just always kind of like, Hey, that's kind of a cool specialty. Like people get better. There's lots of fun diagnostics. You know, you get to go play in the microbiology lab. Um, and so when I was doing, um, electives early in my intern year, I asked to do ID. Um, and it was just, it was super fun. It was super interesting. Um, you get to see like people in the ICU and then you get to manage their, um, HIV as an outpatient. Like it's just such a cool specialty in that regard, but um, anytime I tell my mother about like seeing a TV patient or anything that's remotely like communicable, she just says, I should not have let your dad let you read that book. <laughs> so, 
that was one of my favorite books too. Um, I was obviously not 12 or 13 when it came out, but it was still uh, uh, certainly one of the things that made me interested in infectious disease as well. Yeah, I'm, I'm currently reading that book and it just, so I'm sure you guys come at it from a different perspective, but from an IP perspective, every time I read something, I'm just like cringing, like, why are they just walking around in the city? It's, just, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's been kind of difficult to read a yeah. little bit, just trying it, to get through it. Once you finish that, you should read um, Crisis in the Red Zone, which is by the same author about the 2014 um, Ebola outbreak. So makes you think twice about going in a cave. I will do that. I love Yeah, we're just hanging out with bats in general. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So we've talked a lot about kind of where you guys have come from and your journey up to this point. What are your big plans for the future? Laura, do you have any big plans? Yeah, so um, I am, um, I'm in my second year, so I'm in my last year of fellowship for me. Um, Jonathan will have a different answer to that question, but um, I'm, I'll be finishing the end of June. Um, I actually just signed a contract for a job starting next summer. Um, so I'm headed back to Oregon um, to work at a, a, with a group of um, three other ID doctors. So I'll be number four um, in more of like a community-based practice. Um, and that's a, a lot of clinical work. Um, there'll also be some like antimicrobial stewardship and um, infection prevention. Um, I really like the hospital epi infection prevention things. So that was certainly something I looked for in a job. It's just, it's fun. It's interesting. Um, you get to, um, you get to improve patient care beyond just like the person that you're taking care of in that moment, which I think is a really unique thing about infectious disease. Um, but about that part of ID as well is that, you know, decreasing collapses and caudies, it's good for not only the individual patient, but for the units, for the hospital system, um, you know, less antibiotics, probably better for your community as well. As well. So um, I like that aspect of being able to make a, um, a positive difference and more than just the person who's right in front of me that I'm directly treating. That's also, awesome. the outbreak investigations is kind of fun. <laughs> Congratulations on your new job. Thanks. Very exciting. Jonathan? Yeah, so as, uh, as Laura alluded to, um, I've taken a slightly different path. Uh, traditionally, our program is two years. And uh, rather than, um, you know, going out and getting a, a real job right away, I've decided to um, delay that an additional year. So I'm, I'm uh, planning on staying around for an extra year for uh, research purposes, um, you know, kind of uh, diving into the world of antimicrobial stewardship a little bit more at our institution, doing some research projects along that front and kind of building my um, academic portfolio uh, per se. But, um, you know, ultimately I'm hoping to, to stay around, planning to stay around uh, this area in, in academic medicine. So I'm, uh, I'm excited for that, but I've, um, I have put off my future plans uh, an additional year as we are uh, wanting to do in medicine as we uh, continue to add additional training uh, as we go. That's awesome. Yeah, as you both know, we tried to keep you here, so, uh, but <laughs> excited for both of you it's it's uh it's awesome to to see you guys uh, get these opportunities and, and and move forward with things so um coming to omaha 
so you guys, uh, you know, I, I know Laura was had really she talked about coming here because of the program and everything else. It's a different uh, kind of location for things that she'd been at. And Jonathan had a little bit of uh, connection to Nebraska. What it's been like uh, coming to, you know, a Midwest city, I think everybody's in overalls and cornfields everywhere and, and whatnot, and kind of have to learn a little different, right? So uh, for me, it, it was very different moving here, but not because of the location, mostly because of COVID. Um, so I moved in um, June of 2020, which is not the time, not the time you want to move across the country. Um, so the, that was just very challenging moving to a new, new area. Um, the, the actual patient population and interactions, I grew up like my parents are farmers, like I, I grew up in a farm community. So like that part feels very um, like normal to me, um, different crops up around hazelnuts and wine grapes and those sorts of things it's all corn and soybeans out here um but um like that part has been um totally totally normal for me um but it has been a little bit of the winter was a culture shock i will say so not already not looking forward to that again but no it's been great it's been fun to be in a new city um to experience something new um the the culture of the Midwest, I think is a little different than the coasts. Um, everyone is so nice and welcoming and, um, you know, very friendly, even being somewhere from Oregon that isn't, it's not New York city or anything like that. Um, but people are a little more abrasive sometimes. Um, they'll tell you a little bit more what they think of you up front. So, um, it's, it's been, um, sort of a nice transition, I would say. That's yeah, what I mean to you. Is that, is that what you're alluding to, to people? Being yeah, abrasive? Dr. Starlin and I have been on service a lot. So <laughs> no, he's like one of my favorite attendings to work with. <laughs> yeah. So I, I had a little bit more experience uh, prior to matching here for fellowship. Um, as I, as I said, I, I actually uh, first spent time in Omaha um, visiting family. So my grandparents uh, lived in Omaha uh, growing up and, you know, honestly didn't have a lot of exposure to the city, just came up to visit them. Um, my mom's from uh, Western Iowa. And so had kind of a lot of family in the area that came up here for Christmas, um, you know, the holidays, stuff like that. But then really uh, in my, um, you know, adult life, I came up here for the first time in college. I actually did um, a summer internship in, the, in research here uh, during college. And that uh, kind of propelled me to end up here for medical school ultimately, which was nice and really, um, really enjoyed Omaha and the, and the time I spent here uh, for medical school, getting to know the city. I, you know, I came from a I don't know, decently small town, um, Jer Jefferson city, which is like 40,000 people. And so Omaha was kind of the big city for me, uh, knowing well that there are much bigger cities out there. Um, but I, I enjoyed it, uh, quite a bit and, and left for a few years, which was a, a nice mix up, but, uh, for the opposite reasons for Laura actually matching here again during the pandemic was a really good thing because I already knew the city and it would have been really hard matching somewhere that I didn't know the city. And so I'm actually really happy. Um, that's how it worked out because it, uh, it would have been a little bit harder getting to know people in an area where you're not able to have the normal, like kind of social activities. And, um, yeah. Yeah, I agree. That would be tough. I mean, at least you had the benefit of uh, 
have having been here, uh, Laura had to come here and everything was closed. So it was <laughs> a little, little different world. I mean, most people come here if they're young and they go to the zoo, right? I mean, that's how people get uh, from far away, get an exposure to Omaha. Yeah. Well, funny you should say that because that was literally like the only activity I did for the whole first year I was here. Um, I had, and still have a zoo membership. Um, and the majority of it's outdoors. So I would just go and like walk around on like pretty much every weekend. Um, and I still do that to be honest, but, um, yeah, that's, I haven't done anything else <laughs> since being here. It is an amazing zoo. It, it is really an awesome, awesome zoo. Yeah, for sure. So I'm curious with you guys still kind of being in, in that learning phase of your career, right? I'm curious how COVID has affected that for you, you know, being in your ID fellowship while there is a worldwide pandemic happening. Yeah, that's a, that's a really great question. And it's, um, it's sort of this weird, like uh, dream and a nightmare simultaneously like mixed together. Right. So it's like, you know, um, I was, I was here, you know, uh, in, in medical school during the Ebola um, uh, outbreaks and, and getting to see that uh, as a, from afar. And it's um, quite intriguing. And uh, you know, I, I, also read books. Um, the Great Influenza was the one that was pretty influential for me, and you know everyone thought that was going to be um, the thing that we were going to experience. Was 1918 was going to happen all over again uh, with a with a flu virus? But um, that said, uh, despite intellectual interest in the area, living it is not nearly as interesting and is um, just really tough uh, for a lot of reasons. And as a fellow. You come in wanting to learn about so many uh, different disease processes and, and problems. You've got all these new bacteria, drugs that you have to learn. And simultaneously, while COVID is going on, there's all these new studies coming out, new hospital procedures and protocols that you're trying to learn as well, which I know probably similar to Laura is that the protocols that I had early on when the pandemic initially occurred at a different institution were then different when I came to our institution and the kind of evolution through those protocols changes over time. And it's really hard to keep up with all of that. Um, I say all that and most of what we do as ID fellows is the usual ID fellow stuff just due to the nature of the structure of our program, which is really nice because it allows us to focus on our education. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, we're also friends and family asking questions and, and patients and et cetera. It just, it's, constantly keeps me on my toes. It was interesting. So both Jonathan and I were in a situation where we matched the beginning of December of 20, what was that, 20, 2019, I guess. So right before the pandemic. So we had already like made the decision to be ID doctors before the pandemic happened, um, which I think, you know, I don't know if you've had this experience, um, Jonathan, where I'll tell somebody that like, oh, I'm an infectious disease. And they're like, oh, like you must've done that because of the pandemic. It's like, no, like I had, I made this decision way before there was, you know, and a global pandemic going on. Um, but it has definitely affected our training. You know, it's, you know, there's, it's all of the normal stuff plus COVID is what I kind of feel like. Um, and it also, I think, has been a really great hands-on experience. So 
Um, I mean, I've gotten to work with Dr. Starlin on um, several COVID projects um, and have gotten published because of that. And, you know, I don't know if I would have been working up a respiratory viral pathogen outbreak in the hospital on this month unless I was, unless COVID was happening. Um, you know, I'd probably be reading about how to work those things up, but, um, you know, so we've gotten some really like incredible on the job training because of COVID. Um, obviously COVID's not a good thing, but if it was going to happen, then, you know, being a fellow during that time is probably not a, a good thing for my career, at least. Um, obviously didn't want COVID to happen, but, um, you know, I think that that's been really um, interesting to be in this time. Um, I, like Jonathan, get lots of questions from family members. Um, you know, that started on pretty much day one of being an ID fellow, which I did not know anything more about ID. I did on my last day of uh, residency than to my first day of fellowship. So that was kind of funny to be sort of like a quote unquote expert um, when really you don't know, you know, anything more, but, and being, you know, called by people in the hospital. It's a very interesting situation as you're starting your fellowship. Um, and I think COVID just kind of magnified that because all of a sudden there was nobody knew the answers. Um, and ID is kind of the, especially if you think of a specialty that might know the answers, ID is kind of it. So, you know, you get curbsided a lot, you know, residents being like, hey, my family member said this, or they went and did this over the weekend, they need to get tested. And so, um, you know, there's a lot of a lot of questions that came about because of COVID um, that I think I probably wouldn't have gotten um, or have learned about, but it's certainly been a whirlwind, I would say. Yeah, it's, um, you know, a lot of uh, my attendings and mentors um, were around, uh, you know, when the HIV um, pandemic initially started and that often inspired many of them to go into infectious disease. And so it's, it's interesting living through that early part where you really don't know that much about this pathogen as it emerges, it's, it's clinical signs and symptoms, diagnostic testing. And, um, again, yeah, don't enjoy living through it, but also it is, uh, quite the experience. Yeah. I have to admit that I started my ID fellowship and finished it before SARS-CoV-1. So that uh, had nothing to do with <laughs> my decision to go into infectious disease. Actually, all of these pandemics makes you wonder what the heck I was thinking when I went into it, but, but that's a whole different story, a whole different story. Well, look, we have a drop-in, a special drop-in from Dr. Van Schooneveld, who is actually mm -hmm. the program director uh, that works closely with Laura and Jonathan uh, uh, Trevor, um, comments Hi. on ID training and, and, uh, and those kinds of things. Uh, in general, um, I think it's an exciting time to be an infectious disease fellow. I think the opportunities just continue to expand. Uh, I mean, I heard some of uh, Laura and Jonathan's comments um, uh, about COVID and its impact on ID training. I mean, I think people are more interested or maybe, uh, maybe like in everything, uh, dichromatization has occurred. People are way more interested or they like ID way, way less. Uh, <laughs> I think mostly it's been very beneficial. I think the opportunities for fellows at these times are just fantastic um, with the expansion of infection control and stewardship and uh, some of the more niche areas of infectious disease. I think it's a great time to be an ID fellow um, with interest, with opportunity, with need, 
um, with new things. I, you know, when I'm selling infectious disease, I always tell trainees, nowhere else are there new diseases. Who gets new diseases? The cardiologist just split theirs into like smaller pieces of the same disease. It's how many different flavors of lymphoma do we need? They're all just lymphoma, right? Maybe you use a slightly different antibody for it. But in infectious diseases, we have different diseases we've never seen before that we have to learn to manage and work through, sort out how do we prevent them. It's, a fa it's always fantastic, I think, to be involved in infectious disease. Definitely an exciting time to be, to be an ID doc. Um, we appreciate you jumping on. Um, these two are outstanding fellows and they're kind of going in a little bit divergent paths and getting ready to kind of spread their wings a little bit and do some things on their own. Even though Jonathan's sticking around with us for another year, he must not have had enough uh, COVID outbreak investigations to, to meet his quota or something. Mm -hmm. um, what advice do you give people? So you talk to the fellows a lot. I know you're very involved with them. So you talk to them when they get here. Um, you know, what, what to expect, what they're going to see, what they're going to do, what life's going to be like, those kinds of things. But then you have to also give them some advice when they leave. Um, and, and what can you tell somebody that maybe is interested in this, what it's going to be like coming in, and then what they can expect in the world as they go out without, you know, Dr. Van Trevor's there to answer every phone call that, that they might have a question on, et cetera. Yeah, I think one of the things in infectious disease is, is you don't finish fellowship having seen everything. Even I as a, you know, 11 years into practice and still seeing new things. And so wherever you go, you want to have people that can be resources to help you, whether that's part of the practice group you join or whether that's from your training program before, you want to have somebody, a couple of people you can bounce ideas off of and say, hey, I have this really weird case. Can I just see what you think? Give me some input. Is there something you would do differently here? And so I think that's one of the things you really want to have some connections or make connections wherever you get, because you're, you're going to need help wherever you go. So I think that's important. I mean, there's lots of things you could say about jobs uh, and the people you work with, but I think that's uh, even more important than, this, than um, sometimes the uh, place you're practicing is working with people that you can that you can work with, that you can trust, that you can work together. Um, that's what's going to make your work enjoyable or not so enjoyable if they aren't. That's some great advice, Dr. Van. Uh, Laura, Jonathan, do you guys have advice for anyone that may be looking at what they want to do with their medical career? I think what I always tell medical students and like early residents um, when they're trying to decide like what to do is um, try to find your like the people that you um, that you feel comfortable with and identify with. So you know, yes, you're going to see like cool things um, in whatever specialty you're in or whatever field of medicine you're in. Um, but what's going to be consistent is the people you work with. So kind of like um, Dr. Van was saying about you know finding a good group of people. You know, if you um, what what made me not become a surgeon was not because surgery isn't interesting, but I was like, you know what? I am not, I don't have the same surgeon mentality as um, all these other people who are in my surgery rotation. Like, you know, I don't like to stay up super late and do all, you know, and just, I'm not a surgeon. Um, so finding those group of people that have already made that decision um, about what type of field they're in, I think is really helpful. So, you know, I, you know, I get to hang out with ID doctors, people who are nerdy and 
um, are always up for going down to a micro lab to look at slides that smell kind of lousy um, and get excited about new bugs, like new bacteria. Like those are my people, um, you know, and if you think that, that that's how you feel about stuff too, then come be an ID doctor with us. Um, we need more ID doctors. Uh, but if there's something else that you're like, you know what, these are, this is, these are my people, this is what I like to do. Um, then, you know, that's, I think a good, a good way of judging kind of where you should end up in medicine. Yeah, that's awesome, Laura. I think uh, the advice I would give is just, you know, keep an open mind um, when you when you're going into this, and, and you just got to find kind of really what you what you love at the end of the day. I mean, you're going to be doing this for a long time, and um, you know, if if it, if you're only excited about it for a year or two, um, you know, that's probably not the field that's uh, that that's the right one for you. So find something that you know you can find. Um, uh, stimulating to you, whether it's intellectually or whether it's the lifestyle or whatever it is about the job that really keeps you waking up every day and doing it is um, really the most important thing. And that's what I had to find was something that, you know, when I came home, if I had to read a paper, it didn't bother me to, to read that paper because I really wanted to read about it. And I was really interested in helping my patients get better from that. Um, that problem that they're facing. Um, there's other things I just like, it's just not something that, you know, I, I want to do. And so um, finding that is, I think, really the key to sustain a career that is going to last for a long time. I yeah. think, as, as Dr. Van said, you know, we have new diseases all the time and lots of things that even in a two, three year program, we can't learn about. And so for me, I really like being challenged in that, in that way. Some people may prefer that they see the same thing over and over and over again, and they're really good at seeing you know, hypertension every single day. And that's great. Um, you know, I appreciate that too. Yeah. I think, uh, one thing that I think, uh, I agree with everything you guys have said. Um, I think a lot of people make decisions on what they want to do on the most glamorous or exciting portions of whatever it is that they see. And I think that's probably the wrong answer. What you probably need to do is figure out the things that you're going to see most frequently and do you get some kind of interest or, um, you know, uh, something that, that sets off something in your head that's like, I could see this. This doesn't bother me. I, you know, because I mean, as, as ID docs, you know, we see diabetic foot ulcers and toe osteo and everything else. And as much as we grumble about it, we all still talk about it. And we, we you know, we, we, we live through it. And I couldn't see another chest pain to save my life after being in residency. There was, I just couldn't do it anymore. And that was just my personality. There, there was no way, or if I had to go to see another COPD exacerbation and try to figure out how much steroids do I give this person? I mean, it, it just wasn't me. So your personality and what you can, uh, can digest on a day-to-day -day basis, because that's what you're going to see. It's not going to be the cool case of um, mycobacterium abscessus lung infection that uh, Trevor has in clinic uh, Friday every morning. And not that we want to see that every morning, by the way. But um, in any case, uh, thanks, for, thanks for the advice. And thanks for dropping in, Dr. Van. Any other comments, Trevor? No, no, I would, uh, one thing I would say is uh, Jonathan and Laura are great advocates for the field of infectious disease and they're the kind of people uh, and working with the trainees here, frankly, is what keeps me excited about infectious disease is people who are young and enthusiastic and are going to move, uh, move ID forward. That's great. Thanks for joining us, Dr. Van. We are excited to interview you in a few weeks. So 
little bit That'll of a teaser great. for all of our listeners. Look forward to it. So, Laura and Jonathan, did um, anything that we haven't covered that you think would be good to to get out that uh, or any questions for us? You guys, you guys get to ask us questions. Well, I guess Jonathan gets to ask us questions for about another eighteen months. And Laura, uh, <laughs> and Laura's time is, uh, although I I would say the nice thing about ID is that there's it's a great big brotherhood, sisterhood, whatever. So you can reach out to us and ask us questions anytime, and I guarantee you that. Uh, the faculty would be more than happy to, to, to assist. Yeah, don't worry. I have your, your cell number saved. So <laughs> you will be my first call when I have no clue what to do with my first NTM patient in clinic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I remember that, uh, you know, when you're out there and all of a sudden you just realize that nobody's going to be co-signing your note or, or anything else. And it's, it's a completely different paradigm that, uh, you know, you find yourself losing a fair amount of sleep uh, your first, uh, you know, several times in, in when you're on service or rounding or whatever it is, however your pr practice is set up. And, and I, I'll tell you that still even 20 plus years later, that doesn't change. You still have those patients in cases where you sit there and you wonder, did you do the right thing? Uh, so um, I think talking about things and discussing things is vital. Yeah, I always love the bailout uh, in, a, in a really tough case. And I, I collect all the information from the patient and I say, you know, this is, a, this is really tough. I'm going to go get the expert, Dr. Starlin. He's going to help solve all of your problems. <laughs> and that's sometimes, you know, you can't do that every, every case. And obviously we talk about it and I have to make decisions. But, uh, you know, that, that uh, I'm learning every day that that uh, is no longer going to be an option. Well, thank you for that. I, I, I honestly think that um, I might be good at making up plans, whether they're actually good or right, I think is, a, is another whole story. <laughs> that doesn't attending. You just get much better at making it up, right? Is that what you're saying? More experience with that? One of our other faculty members, Dr. Marcellin, always says like, you know, you just get more uncomfortable with, you get more comfortable with being uncomfortable. That's exactly true. Exactly true. How about, uh, outs everybody has to have something that they do outside of medicine, right? Whether it's, uh, you know, you like to watch uh, something on TV or you're binge watching something or you're reading something or, or something like that. What are you guys doing now to get your mind off of, off of COVID and work? Um, so I, uh, I'll go with the most recent movie I've seen. You know, the movie theaters are kind of, uh, they're back in business and uh, not very many people are going to them, it turns out. That's the that's the secret is that there's like maybe a handful of people in the movie theaters these days, uh, depending on times when you go. And so uh, you mask up and you, you go watch your movie on the big screen. So I went and saw Dune most recently, which um, is, uh, I thought was excellent. I really enjoyed it. And uh, I know Laura is much more, um, I, I think Dr. Van too, uh, much more familiar with the universe. And I, uh, I had no idea going into it, uh, what all was involved. Um, and now I'm quite intrigued by it and hoping to, hoping to dig more into that universe. But I, I uh, definitely enjoyed that. Now you get to read all of the 800 books that are out there. <laughs> there are a lot of them. Yeah. Laura, what do you do for fun? Um, well, I really like to read. That's probably my favorite like evening activity. 
Um, and I'm one of those people that likes to read multiple books at the same time. So I can kind of like cycle between them if I get like bored or whatever. Um, so at the moment I'm reading um, a book by actually one of the other faculty members, Dr. David Brett Major, who wrote a book about his experiences uh, about Ebola in 2014. Um, so I'm working on that. I'm listening to a, um, a great courses series about the Ottoman Empire, which has been really fun um, and interesting. They don't talk enough about their medical innovations that that area of the world had, but it's been fun. Um, and then I'm also re reading a book of short stories by Stephen King. So a little bit of a mixture of stories and stuff, but that's usually what I like to do in the evenings is go home, read a book. Um, awesome. That's a great hobby to have. Yeah. Yeah. Terrific. Um, yeah. The, um, I don't know, the wheel of time just came out on Amazon prime. And so I've been reading those for the last decade and so I, I watched a couple episodes last night are so they, super excited for the rest of it are they good because I feel like if you've read the books they I mean I don't know how you can like like live up to that yeah the books are so complicated with so many characters and moving parts that I I don't know they I mean they just were the first couple of episodes so they just got out of the two rivers and and so it hasn't been too much yet so I'm, I'm interested to see how it grows from here but it's it's such a complicated storyline uh that I, I don't know I mean I thought the first two episodes were fine they were pretty true to the books all right well that's good to hear another book series that I love it's always a, been a pleasure to, to work with you guys and, and we'll continue to work together going forward. And Laura better stay in touch with us when she moves on to Bend because I think it might be a good place for traveling dirty drinks to go as well. Ah, yeah, it is a nice place to go visit. So yeah, we're, we're getting, getting quite the... the quite the traveling show going on that's what i was gonna say we're getting a list we've got to go to to san francisco and new york and st louis and uh, now oregon so i think uh we need to figure out a budget i don't know how we're gonna do that <laughs> well if you're hitting up oregon you'll have to do it in the winter time because there's pretty decent downhill skiing so know about start about sarah but i know dr starlin likes that so definitely definitely I otherwise we could... a, a, i like to sit in the hot tub with a drink okay while other people a, ski yeah that's also a good place to do that yeah, you snow. can do that while it's snowing right yeah that's the idea the ideal time to sit in a hot tub is while it's snowing agreed, agreed. and uh there hopefully won't be wildfires there whenever <laughs> it's snowing too <laughs> yeah I, uh, that is also true I recently took a trip and it was quite smoky and bent. It was uh, quite impressive. So yeah, maybe, maybe vote for the winter time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, thank you both for joining us and thank you, Trevor, for jumping in. Uh, we greatly appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you guys. Yeah. Thank no you so problem. much for having us. No problem. It's a lot of fun. It was great. And for all of our listeners out there, we will catch you next time on dirty drinks. Thank you for joining us for today's episode. If you enjoyed this content, please share it with your friends. And don't forget to be a part of the conversation by following us at dirty underscore drinks on Twitter. If you would like to share your story, reach out to us through Twitter to become a guest on future episodes. We would love to meet you. Have a great week and make sure to get your fill of dirty drinks.